Welcome to the Be Still My Soul podcast. This is Pastor Ray Brandon bringing daily encouragement to the church. We are in the Gospel Project, Unit 18, Session 3, and our last study in the book of Nehemiah, Day 5, reading from Nehemiah Chapter 13. So there's two things I want to look at today from Nehemiah 13. Um, I want to, to look at how Israel moved away from their commitments in the change process. And then I want to ask why. Why does the book end on such a note? Why does the book end with now um, several failures in, of the people of Israel? Major failures. So chapter 13 recounts um, some commitments that Israel made. And they made, they made certain commitments, and you can go back, you can read uh, about the things that Israel commits to and things that they, that they make a priority in chapter 10. Um, and we see in chapter 13, it mirrors that they actually go back on the commitments that they make um, so very quickly in, in chapter 10. Uh, the, uh, the chapter records... Um, first, that they neglected the house of God. Remember that that was one of the things that they said, and it was repeated. It was the last line in chapter 10. We will not neglect the house of God. The neglecting of the house of God came in the form of the leadership there in the temple, um, using the house of God for their own gain and their own benefit. And um, Nehemiah was back with the king and he comes back and he finds out that the house of God is, is neglected. Um, these three things ought to tell us something about um, who we are and about our tendencies as, as individuals, um, as, a, as a church, that if God is recording these things and then we're seeing um, these commitments and then we're seeing a quick reversal of these commitments, and it was the neglect of these things that they were in slavery in the first place. Um, this ought to raise some alarms and red flags and say, hey, we cannot neglect these things. And they did not treat God's house in the way that it should be treated. They didn't treat worship in the way that it should be treated. So we, we, you can look at the, the example here that these leaders were simply feeding themselves um, this one particular leader, Elishab, um, was making a place for him, a chamber inside the, the temple. It became something for himself. And so often we make worship about ourselves and for ourselves. And this was an absolutely um, heinous thing. He was making that which was wholly profane for simply his own self-gratification. Um, and so Nehemiah is disappointed and says, oh, oh, God, remember what I have done. And he begins to actually set these things straight here in chapter 13. Um, it, it, the next thing that they neglect is, is the day of the Lord, the Sabbath day. Um, they make that which is holy profane again, again. And we ought to really think hard and long about that. Um, if we're committed to the change process, there's something about engaging in worship for the glory of God and the benefit of others that does come to bless us and grow us. But we need to make 
worship what God makes worship. We need to make the day of worship of God what God makes it out to be. And, and as you study the Sabbath, one, one thing that you will see is very true in the words of Jesus that, that Sabbath is instituted by, a, by creation. God rested on the seventh day. There's something in it um, that God created for humanity. In, and uh, and when, you, when you read and discover the Sabbath, it's, it's not just about not mowing the yard um, or um, not doing the things that we do the rest of the week. Um, it, is, it is not simply the prohibitions um, that tend to end up being very legalistic, but rather it is about the things that are for humanity that cause us to recount God's blessings in worship. The Sabbath day is meant to be a day where we truly understand our freedom and our security, our freedom in God, and our security is from God, so that no matter what, we are taking uh, a day aside to cease from work and activity that we fill the rest of our week with, and we ought to have deep convictions about this. Um, we ought to have deep convictions about the things we do and do not do on the, on the Sabbath in order that, that we are spiritually refreshed, that our relationships with one another, especially in our families, are renewed, and that we are physically refreshed. Um, for some of us, being physically refreshed means being able to take that walk um, and just be outside because um, we are stuck in our cubicle or our warehouse the, r the rest of the week. And so it's, it's recreating, but it's recreating in a different way. It's recreating in a, in a way that's different from um, playing on the, the uh, local softball league or in the soccer league. It's recreating in a way to the glory of God. Um, so I would say if, if, if um, um, and again, I, uh, um, I leave this to your conscience, but if there's a schedule to it that demands attendance, if there's a schedule to it that runs throughout the rest of the week, um, if it's not something that's optional, um, then it probably isn't a Sabbath activity. We really need to be flexible. Um, you might say, well, what about church? Well, church is at the very center. You know, the worship of God is at the very center. And so to make worship optional, to make church optional, and I would say even in our day, if you can come to church, um, if you're going and shopping at home goods, um, but, you know, church is too much of a risk because of COVID, um, I would say that candle is probably not the risk you need to be taking or that throw pillow. It's probably that you need to be in, in the worship of God that's far more beneficial, forego the candle in the throw pillow and give God glory by being in his presence and with his people on, on Sunday. So the let, let us not neglect the house of the Lord in proper worship and let us make the Sabbath holy. But there's a third, there's a, a third um, violation here or um, a, a lack of commitment to the change process in that comes in unholy relationships, unholy relationships. And we saw that um, it was uh, the capstone of this was the giving of marriage, the partnering with those that represented other gods in a system of the world. And they had said this was actually the first thing that they would not give their sons or their daughters um, to be married to those that 
that they call foreign, that subscribe, that bow down to other gods, but they had been going back on that. And our relationships really influence how we view the world around us, who we partner with, and um, who we influence and what we allow to influence us. And we ought to, as we come to chapter 13, really look at that, look at that for ourselves, um, for our families. Now, this is not a call to uh, isolationism, but it is a call to formationism. What is forming us? What is shaping us? What is shaping us so that we can shape others? And a partnership with those things that are ungodly will never help us form others. If we are partnering with that, it will cause deformation um, of who God is and what he is represented in our life and in our family and in our church. And so we cannot have those kinds of relationships. So we have to be really wise and very careful of how we are relating to people in the world and how we are partnering with people in the world so that Christians become a strong force for shaping the world after God's good nature, after God's good law, after God's good grace. So here we see um, this going backwards. So we have to ask why in these next few seconds here. Um, why does it end this way? And it's simply this, is that the wall and the temple worship being established are not the end of the story. It, it causes us to, to yearn for Jesus, uh, for it's, it's the gospel of Jesus and his complete work. Nehemiah did the work that led to worship, but without the Savior, worship will always be imperfect. It's only in Christ that we are perfected. Why? Because he actually does the work that leads to worship. And what was that? He led a perfect life. He died a savage death. He rose again on the third day. He died in our place so that we would be perfected, that his sacrifice would be sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins. Nehemiah ends on a down note, but it ends also on a hopeful note. It ends on a note in that leaves us longing for something more, and that something more is Jesus. For it's Jesus and Jesus alone who completes us, who is the one that is sufficient. And that, that as we look to him, Jesus, that ought to lead to a, a greater commitment to the change process in our lives so that he might be worshipped in him alone. Will the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.